Welcome to the Holy Spirit's Curriculum of Joy podcast. My name is Wanaka Oberhuber, and I'm your host. My guest today is Allison Carney Baker. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I'm excited to meet you after it feels like months of uh, scheduling back and forth. So yeah, really happy to be here. Yeah, there's a lot of coordination behind the podcast, as always. <laughs> so I would like to start with a question. How did you come to see the world the way you do today? And then go from there. Sure. Um, wow. That's a, it is a big question. I'm sure you hear that a lot. I came to see the world the way I see it today uh, very uniquely. I started having uh, spiritual and psychic downloads at the age of three and um, remembered a lot and then went through, uh, remembered a lot of why my soul came here and, and what I was here to do. And uh, through a process of um, deep trauma, uh, through getting married at a very young age as well. And then I call it forgetting, like I started forgetting um, all of that and then started reawakening, uh, well, really reawakened in a moment uh, around 2020, April of 2020, um, when all of those visions and downloads that I remembered as a child started coming back up for revisiting. Um, I've definitely been through a lot of um, hardship, a lot of uh, chronic health issues, um, many more uh, difficult situations in life where it was very much learning, we could call it the hero's journey, um, needing to save oneself um, from the situations that I found myself in. And through that process and that deep embodied learning process, um, now really view the world as a co-creation of our conscious desires and manifestations. Um, and I work with my clients to access that from a conscious place and to really bring about these heart-centered desires to uh, to expand our medicine to the world, whatever that, whatever that means, healing, um, love, uh, joy, these higher frequencies that really serve humanity. So you were speaking of downloads. What does that look like? Is it like, do you have a guide or, or what, what does that actually feel like? Or what is your impression? Um, that particular, the, there were two recurring visions that I had over and over throughout childhood. Um, one of them, I came to realize probably in my late twenties or early thirties, after I started doing, um, birth work, I was a birth doula for 13 years. And, um, I realized I was having the memory of being born. I remember being born. And I remember what it felt like, um, 
that was one of the visions that I kept having when I was three, four, even five years old. It, it just, it happened a lot. It actually would wake me up at night, um, kind of as a vision and in a dream. Um, and then when I started learning more, I was like, oh my God, that's what that was. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and then the other one was um, a vision of, of leading, uh, honestly, an army and um, of, of light workers and light beings and light bringers. And there was the duality of uh, the other side as well, the opposing side. And um, it was almost like a battle scene. And I had that, I had that vision from very, very early. And that continued on probably until about the age of um, 11 or 12. And, uh, and then, you know, went through that very human experience of forgetting things. And, um, and it has absolutely begun to play out in a very different way than I ever could have imagined. Um, and I feel like it's more of a frequency and a knowing um, and it just keeps, it keeps showing up really almost every day in some way, shape or form. Um, and it's, it's been an honor to experiment with that and to, to know that and to really live it. Yeah, there's a lot of things to look at in all of this. So this vision of being a leader but also having an opposing side um, must have meant a lot to you because to, but is the, what is the opposing side or what do you mean by an opposing side? Because you were speaking of uh, an army of light workers or light beings. What is the opposing side? Is, is there any reason to think that they're real or, are they not real or is it just an illusion that you made up in your mind or what is your take on that? That's a really great, great question or sequence of questions that I've also asked myself often um, because I, I had a framework as a young child. Well, even before, even before religion entered my story, um, I didn't come from a religious family, but I did enter into um, really strict religion around the age of 14, maybe 13, um, when these visions kind of got dulled and, and kind of went away. Um, so the framework then was the framework of evil, good and evil, light and dark. But that was very present even before religion entered. Um, now, now where I am now and seeing, okay, we are here, this is a place of duality. This is a place of frequencies. Um, is this just a construct in my mind? Is this, you know, what is this? I actually, I hold both world. I can, I can actually hold a worldview, a dualistic worldview where I can hold both. So I can absolutely believe and know that there is light and good and evil and dark. And I can absolutely embrace the fact that these are all frequencies and that there's no good and bad and that there's no duality. I don't really, it's hard for me to put it to words. Um, 
I've definitely had plenty of experiences with, um, we could call it the shadow world, we could call it evil, um, uh, both from my own traumatic experiences and then um, working working with others and uh, doing even, uh, we could even exorcisms and things like, like or more of a shamanic um, expelling of, of an unwanted frequency or dark spirit, however we want to say. Like when we start using language and words, we, we lose a little bit of the actual essence of what we're talking about. But of course we have to use words because otherwise we can't, we can't explain and, um, and come to know these, these concepts even deeper. So I hope that this is making sense, but it, it's, it can get kind of difficult to put language to. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways of seeing it. You can have frameworks with which you see it as energy. You can have frameworks with, with which you see it as thought forms or thought cycles. You can, and you can have frameworks where you can really see it as evil and good fighting each other. And you have to choose the, the good side if you want to be a person in the light. But yes, you have all these frameworks. But the question is which one leads to most healing or most embracing of life because the the issue of embracing life is a huge one yeah i feel like that's my sense is that that's a deeply individual question for um for each of us what is going to help us embrace life to the full which worldview is going to serve us in getting in getting that? Um, one of the things that has come into my life uh, maybe four or five years ago is the system of human design, and this is something that I work very deeply with my clients on. Um, and knowing my own human design and knowing my um, my genetic makeup and my energetic body, I have what is called an open Ajna, which is like the idea factory. It's just a very open mind. So for me personally, I don't have consistent access to what I specifically believe about any particular worldview forever. It changes for me. I have a degree in biblical studies and for a large chunk of my life, I believed in that worldview but there was always a part that felt something was being missed. And then as I, as I deepened uh, my awareness, I made peace with the fact that my mind is so open. I don't necessarily need to attach to any of these worldviews for me, but, but it can be really helpful for many, many people to do so, to find a framework that really resonates to give that structure and that language to get us from uh, a more contracted, constricted state to more open, embracing the beauty of life and um, embracing our spiritual and our soul's purpose and living that. So um, yeah, I, I feel like that's a really individual um, answer that that's probably going to be different for everybody. 
Yeah, well, there in the body mirror systems, for instance, you have the you go through the seven chakras, and each chakra has a view, a way of seeing things, and according to that view, things function in a different way or happen in a different way. So, I guess that sounds something like the way you're living is switching according to what you need to do. So, what would you? So, what do you? How do you use that ability to switch? between views for what what do you switch to for what purpose and then there's another thought i would like to share is the the thought that comes from a psychologist called charles tart i think where he says every state of mind needs a, a science of its own that's that's a beautiful statement I really appreciate that statement. Um, to to answer your question, I I've really found a lot of use and help um, in understanding my own human design. So it's funny you mentioned the chakra system because that's one of the pillars that the human design system is uh, built upon: the chakra system, the I Ching, the Jewish uh, Judaic uh, Kabbalah. And then astrology, astronomy, uh, genetics, biochemistry, and quantum physics. So all of these are the structures of which human design is built upon. And just knowing my own individually, um, I was just leading a, uh, a, a group call uh, with my group clients on this. We, we were talking about um, strategy and authority. So my authority is, a, is called a sacral authority. I get I get nudges from this energy around my sacral center that tells me yes or no. It tells me it's correct for me or not correct for me. That can be um, as simple as making a decision about where to get lunch or um, as big as uh, moving homes or making a, um, a decision with my partner or, um, or with my children. Or my career, so following following that authority that I have inside of my system has truly never led me astray. It also works with my deeply intuitive nature. So learning to um, listen to these cues and not really put society's conditioning on top of it, but just listen to those and move and and interact with the world from that place is what has really brought me immense joy and um, peace and uh, abundance. So where do you think this guidance comes from? Do you have any theories about that or any thoughts about it? Yeah, you know, I, um, I feel, I feel very old. And I know that that's a strange response to what you just asked, but I do remember uh, a lot. I remember being here as long ago as 4,000 years. And from, from the 50,000 foot view, looking, looking in and looking down, 
I see us all as fractals of the same source energy where we are consciousness, we are divine, um, we are love. We, we want to expand. And then when you look at the universe and the universe is constantly expanding, um, as humans, we've really put a dualistic uh, imprint on everything. Like the universe is uh, inanimate, not living, not conscious, but actually, <laughs> is it? And like, when we exit these um, more constricting frameworks, I believe we come from the same source. And that is the source of consciousness itself, um, which gives, it breeds life. And it breeds all these things that we can look around and enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but tapping into that energy and knowing who we are on the deepest level and where does it come from? I think it comes from the same infinite source, a divine infinite source. Oh, yeah, there, there's also the, A Course in Miracles, a book written about uh, and has its own way of describing how the world came about. I don't know if you've heard about it, but in A Course in Miracles, it says it was a thought of separation that brought about this world. So this world isn't real. It's a dream. So actually, our goal is to remember who we are and return home to to heaven, as as you might describe it, and, and that is a process. You, you start with you usually start with a um, a world which is where you really feel totally separate, and then you start slowly um, forgiving things, and then it gets a little less heavy and less heavy and less heavy until you shift into what the A Course in Miracles calls the real world. And then you still, where you start shifting into a happy dream, and then, you, and then from there, the divine can lift you into heaven when the time has come. That's really beautiful. I think I have heard of the book. I have not read it. Um, that really resonates with... Um, with what I've come to understand about, even in human design, we say that our heart center is what um, is called the magnetic monopole. It's mono, it's, it's singular. We are all the same. And there was uh, a separation that happened that gives us the illusion of being separate. And it is an illusion of duality. Now, without this illusion, we would literally cease to exist. So I'm grateful for the illusion. It is fun. I like being here. Um, we operate in the duality of day and night and um, and light and dark, heavy, dense and, and light um, and light filled. And like having that duality gives us this beautiful experience. And if we dropped the illusion completely and reached this cidic state 
constantly, our forms wouldn't be able to hold it. Our bodies wouldn't be able to contain it. We would cease to, we would come to heaven. We would die and, and reintegrate. And, um, and I'm curious about where the collective is heading in the next maybe few hundred years, um, maybe 500, I'm not sure. But because we are growing so much more conscious and aware than our ancestors have ever been, um, I'm really curious about what's going to start, how the forms, like how our bodies and how the denser 3D forms are going to be holding this or interacting. Like, like I have, I have asked, you know, the, the universe, I'm like, are we going to need to eat in 500 years or a thousand, or will we just be living on light alone? Is what, how is, how is this going to shift? Because this is the trajectory of realizing that we are all source energy um, uh, as different fractals and, and manifestations of the same thing. So like, where is this going? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, speculation about these things, of course. Yeah. And Yes, it's the the idea that we're not a body, we are free, we are just as God created us from A Course in Miracles is, is one way of putting that. So we are not a body, so we cannot be contained by a body. The body is with is is a manifestation of this idea of separation. It's, so it's not real in itself, but who we are is. So. So love is real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you could, you could, the argument could even be made that love is the only real thing. Um, at least this is where I've been led. It's like love, if we're going to think that we are in a reality and we look around and ask where creation came from. It came from it came from love, and and we see that we see that with procreation. Um, we see that when uh, a gardener is tending their garden out of love for the earth, um, and husbandry with animals. I mean, we we see this everywhere. But it's like, what what is real? That's real. A very central theme in A Course in Miracles is forgiveness, but not forgiveness as the world sees it, but for, you know, different uh, forgiveness in which we haven't sinned in the first place. We're sinless from beginning on. We're, so to speak, clean, <laughs> free, and never were anything else. The forgiveness is only be necessary as long as we experience the idea of separation and think there's something real to it. Well, that makes sense, right? Because if we were, if we were truly rooted and embodied in the truth that this is an illusion, love is the only true pure energy available uh, in reality, then there would be nothing to forgive. There's always 
there's always peace, there's always joy, there's enlightenment. Um, fortunately slash unfortunately, whatever, we're human and we go through things that that need and require our forgiveness um, and that deeper self-acceptance and that self-love, which can then start manifesting outside of us and creating and co-creating a more peaceful environment, um, a happier existence, even heaven on earth, if this is the way that we are consistently living. Yeah, happy dream, the happy learner. <laughs> it's not yet heaven, but it's 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 the closest we can get <laughs> in the in the separation in the dream. Yeah. So let's go a little deeper because yes, we all face a world of which is made by separation thinking. And how do we forgive this world? Because we, we're, you know, the thoughts are making it, like you were saying, it's a co-creation. You're making this all up as you're walking your path. How do you, how do you move on from there? Because we're, it's so easy to get into these states of, of despair and anger if you, if you can't, find ways to forgive the world as you so or to change your mind about it as of course in miracles it says you can't change the world you can only change your mind with the help of the holy spirit so yeah that's a really profound uh, really good question um that i've had to face within myself as i started looking um taking a more objective look at the things I had been through, both as a child, which I didn't consciously choose um, to be traumatized in those ways, um, and also the, the things that happened as an adult that I was consciously choosing because of my programming and participating in and causing harm not only to myself, but to others. Um, so, for me, the answer has been something that has really helped is realizing that we truly are sovereign. We, um, not only do we have the conscious choice to direct our energy and our thoughts, and then that does co-create like you were just saying. So, so that was like step one, it's like, okay, so all of this happened. It had deep, traumatic, horrible impact on me and other people in my life. And I truly was felt victimized in so many ways. And that kept that low vibrating existence in play. So it's like when I realized, oh, I can focus on that or I can focus on healing and truly forgiving not only myself but the people who did these horrible acts to me um and so that was like step one and then step two was well how do i do that <laughs> um and that's where 
it was helpful for me to embrace the idea that we all came here uh, with soul contracts, with um, conscious decisions, sovereign decision to come here and experience these things, to um, to cause a co-creation of expansion, and that these were roles that were played. And for me to, um, I, I had to acknowledge, accept, and believe that these things happened to me so that I could help other people. Um, it was an alchemizing experience for me where it's taking those denser, darker, um, even evil um, happenings and turning it into something new, something helpful, something beautiful even where I can stand up in that vision that I that I had from such a young age and lead other people, other souls really, into their freedom by saying, there's truly nothing that, that you've been through that I haven't been through. There may be one or two, one or two things. And other than that, I've experienced it. And I can, I can demonstrate that forgiveness is possible. And, um, and the person it serves the most is me. Because not only do I get to live in freedom and peace and healing, but I get to fulfill my soul's purpose in leading others to the same. So it's really a win-win. Um, and it was definitely coming to that place of forgiveness was definitely a process. I absolutely supported myself with, um, with healers and um, somatic therapists and shaman. And like, I, I got the help and the support that I needed. And now I'm able to, to be one of those uh, support structures for others, which feels just amazing. So at this point, it's possible to ask questions. If anyone here wants to ask a question, you're welcome to raise your hand by pressing the microphone button, and I can let you speak. Otherwise, we will continue. So this is a very important aspect of it, is the healing of, of your own trauma, as you're saying, and the recognition that there's a power from moving forward that you can share with others or in a course in miracles we talk about expand extending love right so you're either teaching separation thinking or you're extending love or either someone is um yeah thinking separation thoughts or acting in separation ways or they're extending love so you you always have a reason to extend love no matter what, according to A Course in Miracles, to, no matter what the person is acting out like or saying or doing. I, I truly believe this. Um, and this is something that I do my best to live by on a daily basis. Um, I'm certainly not perfect. I absolutely, uh, like, 
said a word or two to the person who almost hit me, you know, on the way to the office in their car, because they weren't, you know, I'm not perfect, but um, really embodying and deepening that Christed consciousness, where I feel like we've had, if we look to the Buddha, we understand compassion. If we look to Christ, we understand love. Like, and I feel I'm just grateful for these examples that have been demonstrated to us that we truly can embody. And Christ himself spoke to unity with him, unity with this consciousness that he embodied and lived in, um, which as we know, like that is the Holy Spirit, that is the source energy. Um, so when it comes and this is something that to the best of my ability, I try to put into language for my three sons to uh, grasp when they're, when there's sibling conflict or whatever there is. Um, and it's like, we have the opportunity to extend love and we can only do that to the extent that we have extended that love inward first. And when that has, when lights have been shown on every corner or as many corners as possible on the inside and, and brought in with love, with loving kindness, with acceptance, then it's just easy to extend it to others. It's actually inevitable. It just becomes the way of being. And, um, and people, People that, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about things as like a story with characters and things. And in my own personal story, there's a character who everyone loves to hate, <laughs> who's inflicted massive uh, destruction in my life and my children's life. And I can even look at this character and say, they came here for a reason. And although I can look at all the negativity and the darkness and all that thing that, that this person has brought to me, I can also look at the good that I have brought from this situation, the deep learning and wisdom I have gleaned from this. And I can look at the soul that's inside of that form and say, I know, I know what you're here to do. Thank you. Thank you. And the more I experiment with my own self-love and forgiveness, the easier and easier that becomes. Yeah, this is a big topic of how we can um, stop fighting with each other. Yeah, we're, we're doing it all the time and, and not only with each other, but with our own thoughts as well. So there's, but in A Course in Miracles, one of the things it says is only illusions can fight illusions. There, there is, so there's nothing else can fight. So the, the truth doesn't fight or love doesn't fight with itself. It can't, it definitely can't. So illusions are fighting each other. So the thing is either side is, both sides are wrong if you think of them as both being separation thinking. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I have seen this play out in my life with my life partner who we could also call, um, some people call twin flame. I don't, I don't be again, because I have such an open mind. I don't know if I believe in that or not. What I do know is that the only times there has been conflict is when I was not able to, to truly accept an aspect of myself and love it, or he was not able to in that moment. Those are literally the only points of conflict that have arisen. So it's been really beautiful to have a picture of exactly what you just said. It's, it's an illusion. If we, if we can truly embrace ourselves, there's only love. There's only compassion. There's only peace. There's absolutely no conflict. Um, I've also experienced this just in other places where um, highly vibrating, you know, conscious people are coming together, whether it's around ceremony or around music. Um, and there's just this overarching sense of peace because we all we know that we're just looking at another aspect of us. It's like, oh, that's a that's a really cool reflection of me. And so is that, and so is that, and so is that. And I, like, I love us. Like, we love us. We are, well, we are, right? We are, we are one. This is the unity consciousness. This is Christed consciousness, I believe. Yeah, so, so, Going deeper into that, how do you see, um, as A Course in Miracles says, your sibling, other people, everyone is our, everyone is a sibling to each other because we're all the child of God, of the, of source. So we're all siblings in that sense. How, how do you see your siblings? I truly think that they are beautiful. I truly do. This is something I have known since childhood. I started traveling the world when I was nine and coming into contact with different cultures, different smells, different peoples, different um, family structures. And um, something something that I've learned from my own human design, and this is not necessarily true of every single person, according to this system, is that for me, I do have soul contracts with everybody I come into contact with, whether it's the store clerk or my tax accountant or my son, there, there's a contract in place where I'm working out my karma or they are working out theirs with me in that interaction. I did not know that when I was nine years old and traveling the world, but what I knew and what makes more sense and deeper sense to me now that I do know this piece is that I just remember looking at people, strangers, and loving them, truly loving them, really seeing them seeing beyond 
the the whatever it was in that point poverty seeing beyond now as an adult my parents limitations and how you know the difficulties that i went through as a child and and seeing truly them seeing their spirit seeing my clients just the people that i come into contact with my siblings like this is i i think they're just beautiful and they're doing they're doing the best that they can do along their journeys i've been privileged to learn from some i've been privileged to lead others and i've been really honored to walk hand in hand with a handful who have really been my been my brother been my sister um, been my family So in in A Course in Miracles, it has a, a way of describing two ways that we are connecting with our siblings. One is disconnecting basically because it's um, a special relationship, but you can ask Holy Spirit to transform and use any special relationship and transform it into a holy relationship. Now in the holy relationship, we see each other as whole. So we're no longer vying for for affirmation or for anything from each other, we're actually affirming each other's wholeness and thereby remembering who we actually are. Because we need, in The Course in Miracles, it's all about relationships, which is, an, it came about because of the idea of bringing peace to relationships because they were the two people who brought it about. Um, they were in a community of, psychiatrists and psychologists that were constantly having discussions or getting into um, types of fights or not not fights in a sense but vying for for attention or for power or whatever and then they they came to this idea that they want to find another way and that's when of course the miracles came about so it's all about bringing peace to the way we see each other and to the way we see the world and changing that, so to speak. And that change comes from within. And yeah, they, they, it, there's another thing. It speaks of the ego and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the solution that was given to us by, by God when we had that thought of separation. So the solution was given to us right away. So it's what connects us. So the Holy Spirit can actually see our separation thinking but knows it's not true, right? Sees through it. Yeah, that's really, that's really a beautiful way to put it. And, uh, and I had no idea that a book was written on this, but so much of it resonates um, with, with truly how I've come to come to feel about who we are and yes seeing that this is an illusion this is duality we think that we're separate we're not and we do fight sometimes and it's just like loving all of this it's almost like and i've actually come to embrace my ego as like the little three-year-old or the four-year-old who does not know any better they're just trying to survive and when that kicks up it's like oh like you're cute but but we don't 
we don't operate that way anymore. Like this isn't, this just isn't necessary, but it's not even demonizing the ego, right? Like when we had that separation thought, that's when the ego was born. At least that's what I believe uh, intrinsically. And um, it's just a byproduct of that. It's part of our reality. It's okay. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for books like that, for systems like human design, for anything that's going to give us the language and the framework to deepen this level of self-awareness, self-love and self-acceptance, because it's not, we're not just doing it here in the self, we are doing it to the other as well. Yeah, healing never happens alone. That's another one of the things A Course in Miracles speaks about. How no matter what healing or miracle happens, it's never alone. So you, you can't have a miracle at it. It doesn't affect anyone. It always is more people involved or more siblings are involved than you ever would imagine. Or more is that at stake, let's put it that way. That's why it's so important to rem remember who we are because it's not just it, it it is for us but it's for everyone in truth and it's our joint journey of and that's why it also speaks of walking each other home yeah that's really it's profound it's so true um what's coming to mind as you say that is that there's also interdimensional like beings and ancestors who walk us home as well with our healing journeys um i've definitely seen this um in many ways i i learned this from the um the aboriginal peoples in australia when i was a teenager um and i know this is this is within the fabric of the indigenous peoples and how they how they've known for millennia that this is part of part of our reality on earth is that there's so much more than we can see and i believe that goes for our siblings as well and for the people in our lives there are there are people on the other side there are interdimensional um beings who partner with us and assist us and who actually take joy in doing so. And so it's a real, it's just, it's really cool. It's an honor to be aware of that and to um, to have the ability to tap into that when we need it. Because sometimes and on some of these journeys, we feel alone and in the 3D, we may be alone. That's the hard truth. We may be alone in those moments for a day, for a week, a month, sometimes it, I don't know how long, but, but even in those places, we're not truly alone, right? We have access to this. Yeah, of course, in miracles actually goes, um, speaks about that as well. And it says, you're never alone. And on top of, if you knew who was walking beside you, you would never be afraid either so, but we don't right we're not not always aware of it so we are afraid 
But yes, if we knew that and were aware of that in every moment, we wouldn't be afraid of anything. Absolutely. Um, this is this is something I feel really um, humbled and grateful to be experiencing is this place of no fear. And I don't say that lightly because I'm very acquainted with fear, um, but really knowing, really knowing who's got my back, not only do I have it, but my lineage has it. Um, the guardian angel that, that walks with me, I, I didn't know that I had a guardian angel until earlier in the year when I had um, my aura photographed and there's this white being that walks on my right side. Um, the the spirit spirit that has come to me through animals, um, recurring through dreams throughout my life, um, our plant allies, bamboo has come to me. Like it's everywhere. We are so supported. We are so supported by our higher beings, which one could argue are higher versions of ourselves. We, you could say um, God creator, you can say source, um, Holy Spirit. Like we are so infinitely supported and I cannot overstate what, what you just said, that if we really knew, we truly would, would walk with no fear. And, and one of it says we're infinitely valuable in the mind of God, and therefore you can never value your sibling too highly. It's not possible, which is also an interesting statement from A Course in Miracles, that you really cannot overvalue each other, right? It's just not possible. So we are infinitely valuable in the mind of God, and we can do our best to remember that we can do that we can also value each other infinitely i mean not yet but we might not remember how to do it but we can certainly ask for help to learn to do that yeah two things come to mind when you say that um number one is the golden rule that that christ is quoted as saying do unto others as you would have done to you I mean, that's, that's just, that's our reality anyway. That's what happens anyway. And so valuing the other, valuing ourselves because we were created from this love source energy, we're, we're totally in, it, it, it's, it's hard to even talk about. Our value is infinite. And then the other thing that's coming to mind is um, the practice uh, in yoga of, you know, namaste, like the divine in me bows to the divine in you. Like we, we see each other and we just, um, I mean, I feel like Christ really did embody this when he, he sacrificed his own self for love of the other. And um, 
it's just a it's a really profound picture to be able to look at and say like okay there's no there's no good deed there's no loving deed that um is small enough or that's big enough even if it's small like or huge if it's coming from this frequency it's truly honoring who we are yeah um and of course in miracles it also said no sacrifice is necessary so in in the course in miracles jesus is saying that he didn't sacrifice himself he's, he's saying you know he he was showing that nothing can harm you the resurrection is is in the focus and not and he didn't really die and so on and so forth so he and he didn't go through pain right even if in, we have a lot of depictions of it looking like that it wasn't it wasn't pain that he was going through it was something totally different he also calls it the last unnecessary journey so, <laughs> so he, he wants us to to learn sacrifice isn't the solution not not even if we in the name of sacrificing ourselves for someone else that's not what he's asking us to do it's to so valuing each other you can't value each other too much right you can't value another too much another sibling so we if we are able to value see each other as whole even though we look in the outer we don't look whole right i mean you look like this i look like that we all have things that you can observe and describe and make comments about and, and even wage wars about if you want to right but it doesn't it doesn't make you less whole and therefore the idea in a course of miracles is to see for instance if someone is sick not to see them as sick you you will do everything necessary in the in the in the dream that the person needs but not to see them as sick so to see them as whole anyways because that is is come about through what we've made the separation thinking and not because it's real or that's who we are that's really beautiful i i've not heard that depiction of uh, the christ journey before and that that deeply resonates um with with what i have found to be true and coming back to that original picture and like i just i just dream about a world where we would actually get the teachings right <laughs> and be able to grasp it um and then what you were saying about about not seeing the sick person as being sick and as a healer and as someone who was bedridden for seven years with diseases that are not supposed to be cured um, or curable the thing that healed me was not seeing myself as sick i never once i once i felt that shift and i was like oh wait okay so i've got this disease and that one and that one but 
I'm not sick. And making that shift was the turning point in my, in my own personal health journey. And furthermore, now I'm carrying that forward with my children when they, they had some fevers, you know, last week and weren't feeling well. And I just, of course I nurture them and give them what they need, but I do not talk to them differently. I do not energetically, uh, go into this aspect of fear frequency. Um, because we don't need that. Our bodies go through things and we're whole. Like you say, like we are, we are completely whole in that moment, in every moment. And making that shift is, um, is nothing short of life-changing, I think. Yeah, and, and to be able to, to actually make that shift, right? Because I know when you're sick, you, you're going through a lot and, you're, you're, and your thoughts go all over the place, right? So to, one of the things that people think is helpful when they're sick is to have hope and to have, develop a perspective. But you're saying it's not about hope or perspective, it's about choosing to see yourself as as healthy, even though the phys the the world of the dream in the dream you are incapacitated in many ways. You can't do what various things. So some people also say it's to change the focus to what you can do. So I don't know. You know, there's these 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 things are, are you know maybe part of how you do it in the in the dream but they're not the whole picture right if, if i understand you correctly yeah one of the one of the positive things i learned from being so brainwashed in the um strict fundamental religious system that i entered into as a teenager and was part of for 20 years um one of the things I learned was that I could be brainwashed. So I just decided to brainwash myself. Um, I was bedridden. I could not, I couldn't function um, to, to get off of the couch or out of bed to make lunch for my children would put me back um, in bed for the rest of the day. Um, and I just remember thinking like, wait a minute, I know that my body's doing this and then in 3D, this is actually happening, but I want to become a doctor and I'm going to choose to believe that I can, even if I don't believe it, I'm just going to, so I literally brainwashed myself to, I would say, I am statements to myself. I would say mantras to myself. I would just tell myself enough times because I knew that these external forces had told me what to believe for so long that I really believed it. I was like, why can I not just not do that for myself? So I signed up for a class, for a pre-med class, and I would go for three hours and sit there and barely make it 
and come home and lay in bed the rest of the day. And I just chose to believe that something else was possible. And then I started matching it with action. I did the same thing when I started um, my martial arts journey about eight years ago. I started with 30 minute Tai Chi classes and I couldn't, I could barely stand for the 30 minutes without fainting. It, but I just kept choosing to believe that it was possible. And here I am eight years later, I'm a Kung Fu martial artist. Um, I, I live a very full, very active life. Um, and the doctors that were um, assisting me back then would have told me, I, I mean, I was headed for a wheelchair. Um, so yeah, you can choose to believe whatever you want to believe because whether we're conscious of it or not, that's what we're doing anyway. So why not be conscious of it? <laughs> so there's two levels to it, seeing yourself as whole. And the other is the step-by-step -step changing your mind and saying, okay, I can do it. I'll, I'll start small, right? I'll do, I'll just go to those three hours of class and sit there, maybe be, you know, very tired and very unconcentrated, but I'll be there. I'll start listening and start. And then I'll, I'll go for an, a day where a day seminar the next, if, if after a few months or whenever it's possible. Right. So yes, it, it, I think many people who go through recovery, including myself and others who've went through recovery processes from various things. Yeah, that that step by step and choosing, right, which way you want to go, because you'll get all kinds of advice, right? And I'm sure you got tons of advice of what you should do or should not do. And you had to make choices there, right? Who, what do you trust? What do you want, actually, right? Because you'll You'll have people who come with the surgical solution. You'll have people who come with the psych, um, psychotherapist solution. The next person will come with um, physiotherapy and so on. You have all these options, shamanic options, and you have to make a choice, right? What makes sense to you? Or maybe you make a mixture of it all, but you have to find your own way. So how did you navigate that? Yeah, it's a really good question and something I'm really passionate about because I have um, interacted with clients in my past. I don't I don't necessarily work with chronically ill people as much anymore. But um, one of the things I've always said is you have to find your people, your correct people that goes for your healers. I had a team of healers um, that I hand selected and it, I didn't follow any of the traditional protocol at all <laughs> um, because I was following this deeper intuitive knowing that these particular people were in my path and they would help me get where I needed to go. There was a point in my life where I absolutely had zero self-trust and I had um, no energy and I honestly, I didn't think that I was whole. I felt like I was completely flawed um, in a very negative way and that I was not, 
not a particularly good human being. I just didn't have any good self thoughts at that time in my life, but I still had this knowing that the right people would get me to where I wanted to go. And through that journey um, of finding those people and listening to that like body intuition that just knew um, that absolutely became true to where not only did they show me the path, but it through that through that journey, I deepened my own self-trust to where at the tail end of my journey, I was actually not even doing what they were telling me to do. I was doing what I knew on a deeper level would lead me to my true fulfillment, my true healing and wholeness. Um, and, and following that at every cost, at any cost, knowing that my deeper purpose is to raise my children to be here and lead the leaders of the world in in thought and in business and in medicine um and the the winding path that has taken me on has been nothing short of incredible to where after we um after we conclude today's interview, I'm going to head to the airport and pick up my shaman that I'm flying in to facilitate snake venom ceremonies from my home because, because this medicine is uh, very unknown, but extremely effective in cleaning up the last little 5% that I'm dealing with in my body because from the, from the previous disease. So it's like, how on earth would I have found one of the six humans on the planet who has access to this medicine to bring them into my home and do this? There's, there's no other way other than really listening to the deepest knowings that we all have. So we can trust ourselves, even if we can't see it and we don't know it at the moment, you've got something inside of you that will guide you to your next step every time. Yeah, another aspect of it is it costs money. There's a lot of money involved in these journeys usually. So because the you usually won't have insurances that pay for, for the decisions you make because you'll probably make a lot of decisions that are outside of what is insured. Right, if the part of it will be insured, you might find parts that are useful, right? But there's also parts that will not be insured and you have to spend a lot of money. So the, another question about that is, is how do you deal with that? Because you're, if you spend too much on that, it could also be harmful to you and your, your close ones and the people you're dealing with. So you have to navigate that. Another question is you said you were wanted to become a doctor. Did you become a doctor? Really good questions. I was applying to medical school when the pandemic hit and because of my own personal knowings and beliefs about certain requirements to enter into even the naturopathic schools that I was looking at, I decided to follow my soul's journey and pivot. So I did not choose med medical school. I chose to become a functional, uh, certified functional medicine health coach. And part of my 
10-year plan is to um, partner with and support new paradigm schools of medicine. Um, so I took a little bit different um, pathway. And then I'm really glad you brought up the money piece because I often forget about that. But I've probably invested over, I don't, it's getting close to or over $100,000 in my health over the past eight years. And I, for a little bit of background, I came from rural Kentucky, one of the poorest states uh, in the United States. And my husband at the time was the only uh, income earner at about $25,000 a year for a family of five. So we were living below, 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 below the poverty level um, of the United States and even below for my our own state. And I've never really come from a place where I let that stop me. I just knew that this had to happen and I trusted that the universe would deliver. And every single time it did. Um, my son was facing some really serious life-threatening health issues. Before I had tackled my own health journey, I had to tackle his because we were ending up in the emergency room where he was almost dying multiple times a year. And um, I found the people, the right people. Nothing was covered by insurance. And it was going to cost, I think, I think it was close to $20,000 to get him the help that he needed. And I just, I applied my spirit, my knowing, my intention, and my desire. And at that point in time, I was very much in the religious system. I was praying in the way that I used to pray and all of those things. And in six weeks, we fundraised every every penny that we needed to get him the help that he needed. Um, money is simply another fractal of this energy that we've been talking about. And we, we love to use it as a limitation. We love to demonize it. We love to worry about it. We love to stress about it. We love to complain about it. And it just, it makes me sad. It's like, if we did that to a, per if we did that to a sibling, one of our siblings that we were just talking about, what kind of energy would that breed? Like what kind of, what would be coming back at us if every time we sat down for coffee with this sibling, we were complaining about them, worrying about them, bringing all this negative energy to the table when it's only true purpose and desire is to support us. So it's funny because I, I never in a million years thought that I would be working with my clients about money, but this consistently comes up because it's one of the greatest tools that we have to support our soul's mission, um, to bring our medicine to the world, whatever that is. And so it behooves us to heal our relationship with money and to allow this energy to flow to us. So nothing that I've ever paid for on my health journey has ever been uh, 
covered by insurance. And I've gone through aspects as a single mother after my divorce, I was making, I think I had a tax return of $12,000. Like, but that didn't mean that it didn't show up. It always, it always showed up. And now I actually know how to turn the faucet on and consciously manifest. So that feels great. I don't have to worry about it anymore, but um, it is, it is a barrier for many people, but I just, bring us back to it's only a barrier in our minds it's actually not a barrier it doesn't have to be yeah that that's something we we all need to face right this idea of scarcity and all these things that come up that are part of the idea of separation so yes i'm facing those same issues as everyone else we all are in our different ways. What I also wanted to comment on is the, the uh, knowing that there's many health systems. We, we, we think there's only one, right? So there's allopathic medicine, there's this medicine, that medicine, but there's many. And in anthropology, for instance, when we speak about the allopathic medicines, it's called the biomedicine. <laughs> so anyways, so there, there's many systems and so to be conscious of that when you're going through a health journey and that it's not true that there's only one system that you have to believe in right so there's 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 various ways to get back to health and one system may say there's no way with this system we only can do this much for you but there's other systems that know and have uh, options so so to give up because the system that you're used to says there's no way out it would be a shame yeah we could really transplant this to saying like you know there's only one denomination there's only one path to really know it's like oh really because i don't I don't think so. And it is the same in medicine. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the day when the masses understand this. Um, if I would have limited myself to the system, I absolutely would be in a wheelchair today. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, but because I, I went to the more holistic methods, I went to methods that are more in keeping with mother earth and um in these older more traditional systems and knowings not some of them didn't have all the answers for me but they had what i needed in the moment and then i can incorporate this piece and this piece and as a collective it is absolutely what led to um my healing and also the frequency that these healers bring is so different than what you're going to find in a fluorescent lighted sterile room where someone has to wash their hands 20 times if they touch you because you might have germs it's like the frequency that is brought by these more traditional uh, healers who are in tune with earth and in tune with their own selves they bring this love and this compassion and that alone is going to help heal faster and more completely 
than what we would find um, in a more, let's say, an allopathic uh, system, which I, I did benefit some from, from that as well, but I won't get into that. It's just not limiting ourselves to these constructs that we think dictate, because really all that is is an excuse. And if we want to heal, we get to we get to really look and decide that we want that. Yeah, even within the so-called biomedicine, there's many, many different views and many different approaches to health. And that's why one type of doctor, even within that type of doctor, there's many different views. And then you might go to another type of doctor and they have another set of views, even if, if they're working within the same system, because within this biomedicines, there's specialization. So every type of doctor has a different specialization and they go about things in a different way. So, so even within that system, there's a lot of choices to make and not ever, and even within the same type of doctor, you'll get different answers. So, so it's, it's very important to, to find the path that is working for you, right? So it, it, independent of, I'm not saying you have to go out of biomedicine, not at all. That, that is an option you can, that you can add other systems or you can, and so on. But to just demonize one system over another doesn't make sense at all. But to, you need to make choices and you need to make them consciously and, and to, to do what is necessary for your health, right? And, and maybe you'll make the wrong choice. I mean, if one system is saying you're not going to survive and you don't find anyone else out of that system that believes in you, which actually they could, you probably would find someone within the same system that believes you can get healthy again, right? It's not like it's going to be one um, because one doctor says or two or five doctors say you can't survive doesn't mean that 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 all doctors within that system will see that that way. And by the way, I've had um, doctors on the podcast as well, who, who one of one of which spoke about how to to listen to God's voice, which is a very interesting topic. And he he was an ER doctor for many many years, and how he worked with Jesus in his work as a doctor. And the other one, another doctor, she was actually my first guest, was a doctor as well. So, a medical doctor. So anyways, yeah, there's a lot to look at in this podcast and a lot of various understandings and insights. And so I just encourage us to use what works, right? What works for us and to, to make choices. And... Yeah, even if it, if I mean if if one if like you say you know the, the might you might come to doctors who say you're going to die anyways. Um, I, I remember learning the chakra system. The teacher of the system said, "Yeah, they said it's your end. You're going to die, right?" And then and then and then he said, "Okay, if I'm going to die, I'm going to just do whatever I like now, right?" So he went off to Club Med and this and that. And then he actually lived another 25 years, right? 
right? And he was, he was, they said he would die, right? And he would have died, right? If, if he had continued in that way. But for him, for instance, one, one of the key subjects was to choose to do what he wants, right? And not to worry about it. Like, you know, you have to eat this, you have to eat that. And he just ate whatever he wanted to eat. Right. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but it's the, there are choices to make and there's many paths to health. And I don't know what exact you were speaking of some of the reasons you got healthy again, but there's many. Yeah, absolutely. And th that that guy found what worked for him and that's what he did. And that's what led him to to help. Um, I really. I believe in keeping our antennas open to who who those correct people are, those correct opportunities. Like you say, even if it's in a, like a hospital or elsewhere, it's like where's that where's that person who's going to help when you need it, and follow that, and and then we, you know the art of surrender and acceptance at all it all roads lead back to to that frequency of, of peace and um, deep inner knowing and some healing journeys don't mean you'll survive right? i mean I've, I've had guests on the podcast who have passed in the meantime right? but they were their message in the midst of their health issues are so beautiful right and so healing so it's, it's always important to decide what is what is real for you i think and, and that doesn't mean that it's the solution that the world would say is the right the, the, like you okay if if you prove that what you're saying you're saying you're what you're sharing is healing or extending love then wouldn't the proof be that you survived or that you would not be hung up like Jesus Christ, right? He was hung on the cross and, and there were people saying, yeah, well, you wouldn't be crucified if you're the son of God. How can that be, right? That doesn't, that doesn't prove anything, so to speak. And, and so the, the truth is that love is independent of these outer circumstances. It does not the outer circumstances or what goes on is not necessarily proof of how loving you are or not. Yeah, I agree hundred um, percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of, of dear friends that I have who have passed on and, and their legacy lives on and the way that they moved through their health journeys um, spoke volumes. Yes, exactly. So it's really, really important to to keep that in mind. And so, you know, some of them were saying, okay, either way, I have gained through this process. Right? And I've been able to extend so much in this journey. So yeah, it's time to wrap up. So thank you so much. Allison, for joining us here on this podcast, sharing your insights and your journey. 
and please share about the podcast with people let people know so they can find all the different conversations i've had with various people and yeah thank you everyone for joining us thank you for supporting the podcast in any way that you do you can for instance, review the podcast. You can become a guest on the podcast. There's many ways, or spread the word about it. There's many ways to support this walking each other home that this podcast is there for. So thank you once again for being here. Blessings to you all. Okay. Okay.